You're listening to the Premier Podcast Network. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free. There are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. The Solomonster is here. Thank you so much for joining us, man. I really appreciate it. It's uh, it's gl- it's good to see you. I am a huge fan of all of your work, and uh, I gotta tell you, I love the belts on the wall behind you there. I know some <laughs> every every show. Which one is your favorite uh, out of those two? Which do you prefer the most? Well, I gotta go with the classic, uh, the, the the winged eagle. There's the big yeah. eagle, and then there's the winged. The winged is the one I grew up on. That's the one I had always wanted as a kid. So I, I kind of prefer that one. Yeah, yeah. I have this one behind me here. I actually won this on an Instagram feed on Botch Club, and uh, oh, yeah, I, I okay. really i uh, I like that one. But I'm uh, I'm gonna plan on getting that winged eagle pretty soon. So, um, I guess speaking of that, you kind of started us off in the right way. Like, what is your earliest memory of pro wrestling uh, as a kid? Honestly, probably the uh, Ricky Steamboat angle in '87, where Savage came off the top rope. Yeah, uh, right across the guardrail. He couldn't breathe. Hit him with a ring bell. Uh, yeah. That was going into WrestleMania three. That that's the one that stands out to me. Okay, because uh, I I thought the man was going to die. I was very concerned. I he can't <laughs> breathe. Look at him. He's, he's right. You know. And so uh, that's the one that sticks with me. Yeah, it's funny when I think about it. I can't even really recall. Uh, I just know that I've been a wrestling fan like pretty much my whole life, but I can't really recall like pinpoint the exact moment. I think it was Hogan and Andre in like WrestleMania three as I was born in 85. So all that stuff kind of came like before me. And we used to rent the videotapes from this place called Clyde's in Levittown. And I remember watching it and being like, holy shit, like Hogan is going to die. Like Andre the Giant's going to kill this guy. And I just remember being hooked like right after that. So I'm glad I wasn't the only one that was like sucked in like that. Yeah, no, I mean, I feel like our our fandom probably mirrors each other because, you know, I mentioned the steamboat angle, but around that time, they were building the Hogan Andre and I, right. I kind of felt the same way about an angle they did on TV where Hogan had won a match I think it was on a Saturday night's main event special and Andre snuck up behind him in the ring and started choking him yeah and he wrapped his arms or his hands around his neck and I felt again he's gonna he's gonna murder this man why isn't anybody coming out and doing anything <laughs> about it because I was such a naive little mark yep uh, at the time so I think a lot of my earliest memories probably come from from 87. I'll give yeah. you one more. Yeah. You know, the, the the second ever Slammy Awards show that they ever did. They did this show long skit where Jim Duggan and Harley Race were having this unbelievable brawl in yeah. the back. There were chickens and there were there was like a, a donkey in there somewhere. And Bobby <laughs> Heenan was getting of know, course, Heenan's involved. He's got to be. Yeah. yeah, of course, he's taking bumps. So then they would cut away do the award show cut back 
Now they're in the wardrobe section. Women are screaming, and and it was completely <laughs> ridiculous. But that always uh, yeah. stood out to me. So yeah, eighty seven. That's the uh, the golden age. I was gonna say it's a pretty solid year, man, for wrestling. And when I look back on it, yeah. eighty seven. I just recently introduced my son, my oldest son, to uh, Zeus. And I just um, I forgot how sort of ridiculous Zeus was as a character and then like the tie in with the movie. So like looking back at like the late 80s, I feel like that was really, really quite impressive. But that is something I'm going to tie back because I really want to talk to you about a video that you posted the other day about uh, the casual fan. And I really want to dig that apart with you. But you are really like the OG of, of wrestling podcasts. I mean, you've been doing this since like 2007, which is like I feel like the inception of uh, of the podcasting time. What was the catalyst for you to start? Like, what what was the reason for you to get involved in that, and what made it so appealing to you? I had an opportunity. A friend of mine runs a wrestling news website that uh, he was kind of looking for original content, and I was looking for some kind of outlet where I could just sort of express myself beyond just a blog. Right. And I, I ran the suggestion by him, and I said, "Look, you know, maybe if I do like an audio show, it could be like a little audio hotline. That's kind of what they were called back then." doesn't have to be very long just giving my thoughts on what happened on raw or whatever's going on in the world of wrestling and he loved the idea because again it's original content so why not and it just sort of grew from there you know the first one i did was very very short and gradually they grew to become just this weekly 30 or 40 minute uh i say ranting but like reviewing shows and just talking about what was going on I mean, not ranting like I, I would do these days. I was a lot more <laughs> a timid bit back. Yeah. Uh, a lot more timid back then. But that's kind of how the whole thing started. It just uh, the timing was perfect, and like you said, there really weren't that many of them at the time. I mean, there were a few, and right. they weren't really called podcasts. They were more like hotlines or audio shows. Uh, but I had that in, and had almost an instant audience. I mean, you had to build up an audience, you know, over time, obviously. Right. But right. That was kind of my foot in the door, and it just kind of grew and went from there. Because I feel like I started, that's what kind of Foundation Radio is as well. Like, I I remember starting it and having the genesis of it sometime around 2006, but I had no fucking idea how to do a podcast. You know, like, it was like, what do I do? Like, how do I record this? How do I even promote this back then? So I feel like having that sort of tie-in for you made things a lot easier. What was it like to sort of watch the show expand? When did it really start to take off for you? Probably about two or three years later, I okay. would say, is when I really started to notice the growth. And then it was around 2013, we split off from the website. And I basically took the show, you know, for all intents and purposes, I took the show independent. Right. Didn't know what to expect. I figured, okay, there'll be a drop off. I'll have to build it back up. Yeah. There really was no drop off. It just continued to grow uh, because by that point, I had already had, you know, six years, seven right. years of being able to grow the show to a point that I was content. And... Yeah, but it was probably within two or three that I started to really notice uh, the growth. And then in, in more recent years, it's just exploded. Right. Yeah. I, so it's I've, I've sort of, you know, brushed up a little bit on you. Uh, you really are. I feel like you set the bar for a lot of guys like us who have opinions about pro wrestling, who have been lifelong fans and want to let people know, like, hey, I really like this or this is totally dog shit, which, again, we'll talk about Rawful in a minute. Uh, so how does it feel now to feel like almost like a very you're a, a notable voice in wrestling. Like you are the bar in a lot of senses. How does that feel to know that your voice and your opinion carry so much weight? I mean, it's, it's a nice feeling to have an audience, people who who care about your opinion. I mean, the way I look at it, it's, it's one of many opinions, right? It's right. a fan hosted podcast and there's a lot of fan hosted podcasts and YouTube shows. There's a whole sea of them. 
Yeah. So it's harder now, I think, to kind of break through if you're a newer voice because mm-hmm. there are so many of them. And then you throw in the wrestler hosted podcasts. And right. so you'll have people who say, well, why would I listen to people who have never laced up a pair of boots? And I always laugh at that, you know, as if, uh, you know, th- those opinions are somehow, you know, far superior to everybody else's. <laughs> right, right. The thing is, like, as long as you don't represent yourself as something you're not, at no point in any of the years I've done my show ha- have I ever said, oh, I've got the inside track on this or that, or, you know, right. my opinion carries more weight than the next person. Yeah, I hear from people that are in wrestling. I'll get messages from people who listen to the show who are in wrestling. But it's a fan-hosted podcast, and the fact that people, uh, you know, like like my opinions or they like the way that I do my show, it's a great feeling because yeah. you put a lot of time and a lot of work into it, as I'm sure you know. Yeah, uh, it's not like you just wake up and plug in a microphone and just start talking. It's, it's yeah, not really how it works. Uh, so it's nice to know that you have people who uh, you know respect your opinion and are interested enough to keep coming back and wanting more. Has there ever been anything that you've said recently or just since the the time you've started the show that got you a ton of heat? Like not just maybe from like the, the, the people who listen to your show, but somebody who's inside the industry who's reached out and been like, yo, what the fuck, dude? I mean, there was a little kerfluffle. Uh, <laughs> That's a good word. Yeah. Years ago with Alex Riley, I, I had uh, some thoughts on some stuff that he was doing at the time. He was okay. kind of self-destructing in a way. And, you know, I made my thoughts on that very clear. And I, I, I did hear from him and we were able to clear the air. So there, I mean, there have been little things like that before. Yeah. I'm sure I pissed other people off. I mean, that's the one that kind of stands out to me right now because right. everybody thought it was hilarious. <laughs> um, occasionally I'll get a message from, I mean, it's rare, but occasionally I will get like a private message from someone, mm-hmm. but they're listening. Right. And, you know, to me, it's like, well, hey, for the people who say that nobody listens to these uh, types of podcasts and right. they don't matter, you would be very surprised to find out who and how many actually do pay attention. And not just to my show, but uh, other other shows, that are other shows there. as well. Some that are even bigger than mine. So, I mean, there have been a maybe a handful, but it, it's not it's not that often. Right. Now, I guess as far as content wise, so you didn't get any kickback about the hell in the cell with the fiend Bray Wyatt and Seth Rollins and your opinions on that. You didn't hear anything from anybody on that. Oh, I heard a lot. No, no, no. I I heard a lot. All positive. Everybody who agreed agreed. with me. Yeah. No, no, no. no, no, That I think for me, like I don't recall seeing a wrestling match in maybe probably a decade where I just sat there with my eyes open going, what the fuck did I just watch? Like. And then Raffle, I went. I went back and listened to that again today, where it was the the very worst Raw of all time. Mm-hmm. And I think that is that. I don't know if that is your most listened to uh, sort of YouTube clip or your most listened to piece. But what do you think the biggest problem today with wrestling is? I, I want to start there and kind of go into the next thing. I want to talk about the casual fan video. But like, what do you think the biggest issue with professional professional wrestling is today, as far as from a content standpoint? I I mean I don't know. I don't even know that you can really narrow it down to just one. I think it's a I think there's an oversaturation of content. I think there's too much content. And Mm -hmm. I know why there is. You know, if you're WWE, you're getting paid for all of this content. So the more content they produce, the more money they make. And I feel like AEW maybe is kind of trending in that direction as well because they have Dynamite. They're going to have a second show on TNT. They've got two YouTube shows. Right. They may add more. Who, Who knows? So I understand that. I understand content is king, and that's kind of what makes them money. But I do think there's too much. 
I mean, it's nice to see all of these promotions getting television deals. MLW now is on Vice, and and yeah. you can you might see more of it in the future. Right. But I do think that if you're a wrestling fan who wants to consume as much as possible, there there's a lot of it right now. It's almost impossible, I think, to do that. I think part of it also is I I don't think wrestling. You never want to take yourself too seriously. Right. And wrestling has never been totally serious, right? There's always yeah. been comedy, tongue, tongue in cheek stuff. But like in WWE, I don't think they take themselves seriously enough. Okay. I think there's too much of a and, and look, this could be you could say this is a problem in AEW as well. There can be an over reliance on the goofy, uh, lighthearted comedy, you know, kind of let's let people behind the curtain. Yeah, wink, wink. This this isn't really real. We're not really fighting, you know, feuding right. with each other. It. I miss the times where you could kind of get lost in it. And yeah. You kind of you just allowed yourself to buy into the fact that, hey, these two guys, they really don't like each other. Right. That right. was kind of one of the things I loved about that. Right at the beginning of the Attitude Era. Yeah. That's kind of where I track it back to. 96, yeah. 97, you could see things started to change in yep. WWE where everybody was just walking around all pissed off. <laughs> and yeah. everything was Everybody's so angry all the time. Yeah. Yeah. And everything was centered around the championship. This is when there was one. You didn't have multiple right. top titles in the company. But that's what wrestling is, right? I mean, it's it's a conflict. It really should be centered around your championship. Mm -hmm. But you bought right. into the fact that, man, these guys, I wouldn't want to mess with these guys. And these guys right. don't like each other. And it just wasn't as silly and gaga as I feel it is now. And I wish there was a little bit less of that. So to me, that's one of the glaring problems that I see. And I, I'm glad that you mentioned the belts, too, because I've always kind of felt a little weird about there being like, I guess once WCW went under for me, it was like, OK, well, now there's so much content. Uh, this will be a two-parter. Do you feel like if they if Vince would have kept WCW as like a super independent brand, like found another place to put that show on, basically ran it independent of the WWE programming, do you think that we would sort of be seeing the oversaturation that we are now, or do you think it would have eventually gotten to that point with the, the digital age and everything that's sort of become where we are today? It would have eventually gotten there. Yeah, yeah. I mean, different, I jour different journey, I think, same destination at the end of the day. Right. Um, even if they had made all the right moves at first and, and didn't just give up on it, because there were plans. <laughs> right. There were plans to run WCW as a separate entity. I mean, they were yeah. having plans put in place for it, and then he just changed his mind and didn't want to do it. It would have worked up to a point, but it, it wasn't going to be a long-term thing. Right. I don't think WCW under Vince McMahon would still be running as a separate entity today. No, I don't think uh, so either. I think it probably yeah. would have gone the way that ECW did. Eventually, you just you run out of steam, right? Because it's you could have the equity initially for the brand because, oh, everybody's thinking about the Monday Night Wars, but eventually it makes that transition and that process into the WWE brand, and it's just not the same anymore. So mm -hmm. I feel like, yeah, I feel like you're right, but I often think about the Universal title and before that, the World Heavyweight Championship title. I always feel like there's just a, an element missing where it should be, like you said, focused on one particular person. It doesn't matter between Raw and SmackDown that the fight should be about the belt, right? My personal opinion is I feel like that would make it almost worse. If you have all of these competitors working together and these different promotions working together, you're going to completely oversaturate the market. Do you think that that would be almost worse in a way? as far as competition wise, or do you think that would help the everybody's brand overall? I, I look, I, I like the aspect of AEW where they're working with other promotions. I right. love the fact that we're going to have Yuji Nagata 
on Dynamite in a couple of weeks, you know, challenging John Moxley. That's insane too, right? Like that's just fucking nuts. Yeah, that's crazy. And I, so I like, I, and I want to see more of that. I want to see more interaction uh, between not just with them in New Japan, but you know, they've obviously been doing stuff with Impact. Kenny Omega is the Impact Wrestling World Champion right now. Right. So I think that's a plus. I think keeping the lines of communication open, whether it's a talent exchange, whatever it may be, promotions working together can be a very positive. Thing. it's great it's great for the fans because sure. you get that cross-pollination between brand oh my god i can't believe i'm going to see this guy against that guy right but when you're when, i think feel like when you're working with wwe if you are that other promotion or if you are a fan of that other promotion you have every right to be concerned <laughs> right. because again there's always an ulterior <laughs> motive involved yeah Foundation Radio is brought to you by 10th Ward Barbershop. Serving the historic 10th Ward in downtown Lawrenceville, 10th Ward Barbershop is a full-service barbershop offering quality haircuts, beard trims, and hot shaves. Adam gets his hair and beard trimmed by the owner of the shop, Ryan Kane, and he loves the laser point precision cuts and lineup he provides to him and countless other satisfied customers. But you don't have to take Adam's word for it. WWE superstars Corey Graves and the fiend Bray Wyatt frequent 10th Ward for all their hair and beard trimming needs. Right now, all all cuts and trims are by appointment only. So head over to their website at 10thwardbarbershop.com and book your appointment now with Kane, Jordan, and the rest of the team at 10th Ward Barbershop. That's 10thwardbarbershop.com. And we thank them for supporting the podcast. I uh, I guess I'm always just curious, too. I guess the, the follow-up question would be to that. What are, what are your opinions on the criticism that AEW hasn't really been promoting the Impact Championship like during that match with Rich Swan and Kenny Omega mm-hmm. that AEW wasn't really talking about the fact that Kenny Omega was going to be on the program and there was a lot of folks talking about why aren't they promoting this why is this feel so one-sided to me it felt a little one-sided but I guess I'm not like fully invested in it as, as much as I'd like to be what were your opinions on that and do you feel like it was a, a worthy criticism like why isn't AEW talking about this more yeah I mean I talked about it before the pay-per-view I think Impact was doing everything they could because it was in their best interest it was Absolutely. their pay-per-view so they were they had this press conference this 40-minute press conference and they were promoting it hard every week aw it was almost like uh impact was fighting a a battle against uh, themselves like there right. was no one on the opposite side it was just them and i i guess i understand it because it wasn't an aw pay-per-view so they weren't going to put their best foot forward to promote someone else's show sure but I don't think the name Rich Swan was mentioned even once on Dynamite at all in the build-up to that event. And my thing is, all right, I get that you don't want to promote someone else's pay-per-view too hard, but your champion, you're putting your world title on the line against the champion of another company. Right. And like I'm watching Dynamite that Wednesday thinking, man, in three days or four days, potentially – Right, storyline wise, yeah, AEW could lose their their championship. Right, it could go to it Rich could go, Swan. It could go to Rich, and he has it on Impact now. Right, and there's no mention of it at all whatsoever. That was very strange. So, right. and it feels. Uh, it feels yeah. like I don't know. It just feels like something was, and it's almost to me that the way it says it to me as the as the organization is, we don't really care about this. We're just doing this because we want to do it, and we're going to help them out just because they need a little bit of help. But there's no. It seems like the reciprocity was really not as level as it should have been. So I don't know. I uh, I'm curious to see where this goes. Where do you think it's going to go with Kenny Omega? Where is he going next? 
Oh, I mean, in terms of impact, obviously he'll he'll defend. I guess not at their next show. Uh, my understanding is they're having some kind of a multi-man match, and that'll determine his next challenger. So I, I see him defending the title a handful of times. Right. I would not have him drop it until mm-hmm. he drops the AEW title first. Right. So all of these titles that he collects, and I don't know if he's done collecting. I don't know if, you know, maybe he'll have a match with Nick Aldis and take the NWA title at some oh, point. Oh, shit. I didn't even think about that. Yeah. I mean, the, <laughs> I what, what, other, what other titles really are left for him to, because uh, they're not, I don't think they're doing anything with Ring of Honor. So, no. Uh, short of the NWA title, I think they've kind of reached their, uh, their, their max. But yeah, I wouldn't have him drop any. Uh, of the other titles until that AEW title is lost because I wouldn't have him lose until then. So I think he'll defend it here and there. Um, It depends on how long Impact wants to go without having one of their own talents as champion. Can they go until, (laughs) you know, all out? If let's say Omega drops it at all out or full gear, that's that's almost the rest of the year. It's it's tough for me to envision that. But uh, if it were me, I wouldn't have him drop it until then. Yeah. Now let's go. Uh, let's talk about guys that shouldn't drop the title. Roman Reigns. How do you feel about that storyline now that he is, you know, no longer really the big dog, but the head of the table? How do you feel about that storyline? And do you think it's still as effective as it was when it started? Yeah, I think it, I think it's uh, very effective. I think people for years were clamoring for a change. Right. I wish that his attitude would change. I wish his music would change. I wish his look would change. Well, now you have all three, right? Yeah. Because he's a heel. He just got new music. And he isn't wearing the the tactical vest anymore. <laughs> He's got Paul Heyman as his. Uh, I know he doesn't call himself a manager, but that's basically what, what he is. is. Yeah. So we finally are getting a view into what we could have had three or four years ago, and I think yeah. it, w- it would have made a world of difference, and he wouldn't have been getting the John Cena treatment. Yeah. So I, I am a big fan of what he's doing. The match with uh, Brian on SmackDown last night, I thought was the best WWE television match of the year. Absolutely, I agree. It was fantastic. And to me, there's there's no one that I can see right now in the near term who should be taking that title from him. I mean, I'm glad that Cesaro is going to get a shot. He's Absolutely. not going to win. I mean, let's no. be honest. So I would keep that title on him indefinitely until someone comes along who feels like, okay, you know what? This might be the guy. Now, maybe that's later this year. Right. Maybe it's WrestleMania next year. I don't know. I'm taking it month to month. Maybe yeah. in six months, I'm completely bored and I'm ready for him to drop it. But right now, I think he's doing the best work of his career. Absolutely. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. I think you keep going with it. I was going to say, too, that leads me to my next question. If it's not Cesaro, do you think it's somebody like Big E? Or I've talked to a friend of the show, Duke Bennett, before. Do you think Drew McIntyre <laughs> switches to the blue brand? As that's what I feel like if I'm looking at it like objectively, right? To me, the only one that makes sense right now, if you're going to do a title change, would be Drew McIntyre. They have history. They've already had some pretty solid matches before. And when I say makes sense, he's the only one that I think could do it like and be believable taking the belt off of him. Who do you think right now would be the one that would do that? If they said, if Vince is like, fuck it, we're just going to change everything, who do you think would be the one that would do that? Well, I mean, if you just look at the SmackDown roster as it is, Brian is gone, supposedly. Yeah, Uh, Big E is not ready yet. No, I think he may get there, but I don't. And maybe even SummerSlam, I could see that being a SummerSlam match. Uh, if they had to make a move right at this moment, you know, Kevin Owens, they've they've already played that. Yeah, right, played that out three different times. I guess the challenge is there isn't another big baby face on the brand at the moment mm-hmm. uh, that I can think of who really would be right for that spot. Seth Rollins is a heel, right? Nakamura doesn't. No, I mean he's just not. He's not ready for that spot. He doesn't no. feel you know hot enough for that. Uh, so they would have to almost recruit someone either from NXT or from the Raw brand. 
Yeah. And, and yeah, McIntyre would make sense if they want. They had the one match at Survivor Series last year. Yeah. Uh, which was excellent. They, they did the cheap finish, but I thought it was an excellent match. Right. Uh, that could be a WrestleMania main event. It, it, it felt that way. Yeah. So, absolutely. yeah, Drew, Drew could be that guy. I mean, that's the problem. I mean, they really haven't built up anyone else enough to where I can believably think, okay, this is the guy right, right. now at right. this moment who should be the one to to take the title off of him. Now they could call, you know, Finn Balor back up to the main roster. And there is a little bit of history there with him and Roman. In fact, his first match, I think on TV, on the main roster, uh, on raw, he beat, he beat Roman, right? That's when he went to SummerSlam and he got hurt. Right. uh, Right. Won the universal title. But right now, I mean, there's just this, uh, lack, I think of, of that really big baby face Mm -hmm. that, is the obvious choice to to switch the title to all the more reason I would keep it on Roman for for a while longer. And you talked about that a little bit on your show, um, the most recent episode you did about. Uh, I guess it was right before Daniel Bryan had the match uh, last night. You talked about uh, you know the lack of a big baby face on Raw, especially too with somebody like Bobby Lashley. Mm-hmm. How do you think they fix that problem? On Raw, like I guess because we can we can honestly say now that like SmackDown's the A show, right? I mean, it's like it's it's pretty obvious at this point like there there shouldn't be any argument how do they fix that problem with Bobby Lashley well I mean Daniel Bryan I think is going to end up on Raw I think he'll take some time away and I think what you can do now his contract is supposedly coming due in the fall right that's when it expires and I know he's working on yeah he's talked a couple of different times now about he's trying to convince them to do a deal where he can still stay in WWE but work matches outside the company yeah uh yeah I mean I want a billion dollars but I'm not going to get that so (laughs) Uh, good luck to him trying. That's not right. going to happen. Godspeed. So, you know, I don't know what he, where his head is at. If he really, you know, is that passionate about wanting to stay in the ring that he would be willing to leave and go yep. work somewhere else? Or is he content to just resign and work behind the scenes and be not a writer, but like contribute creatively or be a producer or or something like that? Assuming he has that time left on his contract, I think he takes a month or two off. Right, And then we see him pop up. Look, I wouldn't be surprised to see him on NXT doing a few matches. I think that'd be fun. Yeah. But ultimately, I think he's a big enough star. They need star power on mm-hmm. those main shows. It would almost be a waste to keep him in NXT for too long. I see him going to Raw. And unless they can bring in Brock Lesnar for a big match with, with Bobby at SummerSlam, I think that could be your Raw title match at SummerSlam. If Brian comes back in June, July, you build him up and get one last big match out of him and let have him put Bobby over and then he leaves that at least gives you a big baby face to to build to right. at the end of the summer right in the meantime yeah it's a real problem and i said that before wrestlemania mm-hmm. it's going to be a problem because they don't have those baby faces ready to go i don't know what's yep. going on with the fiend and yep. when he is back is he a baby face is he a heel I, he shouldn't be a baby face but right I don't know what he's supposed to be. Keith Lee, his status is a mystery. Who knows when he'll be back? You could build him up for a match, but for sure, yeah. We just don't know. We just don't know what his status is going to be. So that is is part of the problem they face on that Raw brand. And I think again, it ties into this the the, the clip that I've been talking about and kind of referencing this idea of the casual fan about bringing back guys like Goldberg or the Undertaker or even you know to say Sting, right? A lot of these marquee guys who are already main eventers. And, you know, the, you know, the whole thing about that, that person asking you about Sasha Banks and Bianca Belair, like I, I truly don't give a fuck whether or not this person cares about 
whether you know two women are main eventing WrestleMania. I don't care. I've been watching it long enough that I'm I'm in the, exactly the same shoes you are. I just I don't give a shit at all. But how do you think like how do they build new blood? in the industry when the entire dynamic of the industry has changed. You know, they're not building storylines the way they used to, right? Like back in when we used to watch, it would be a like a month, right? I feel like the DDP and NWO storyline just went on forever and then finally you got your payoff, right? Same thing. I mean, I feel like that's kind of what they're doing with Roman Reigns right now, but how do you do that at a sort of a larger scale throughout the entire operation to make sure that you can build people up the way that you should be? Well, you I mean you need patience, right? You need patience to do it. I I like what they're doing with Roman. I like the story they built going into Mania with him and Edge and Brian, and that built up over a period of a few months. So, you know, some and look, your definition of what long term storytelling is could be different from mine. Long term right. could be a year. Long term could be four months. By today's standards, that's a long time, right? Yeah. That's a long build up for something. You know, the Sasha Bianca stuff. I was. I, I love the match of WrestleMania. The buildup I thought was was trash, and I thought that yeah. it's a shame because it could have been a lot better than it was. And it looks like that story is going to continue uh, as it should. Right. I think you just need you just have to do a better job of coming up with uh, engaging stories and giving it time to to really to really build. They don't always have that patience. Yeah. Or someone gets COVID and has to go away, or they get yeah. injured and they have to go away. That's always been a problem, though. Injuries and illness, you've always had to to deal with that. It didn't stop them from coming up with, you know, good stories and, uh, you know, have, letting guys go out there and have a little bit more freedom in terms of their promos and stuff. Everything now, everything is just so or it feels so, I don't know, sterile and formulaic. Yeah. It's hard to really grab people. Right. I, I don't think it's a case where they don't have the people who could do it. Sure. They're just not always given the um, opportunity to. Right. But at, at the end of the day, it comes down to just telling good stories. That's what they talk about. Oh, we're storytellers. Yeah, well, your stories a lot of the time suck. <laughs> yeah. Right? Yeah. For every one or two really good stories that they do come up with, you'll have another three or four really shitty ones. Yeah. You know, I, I look at some of the stuff they're doing right now with the women and 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 Naya and Shayna and Lana. Oh, and who, my God, Christ. I mean, like, you make know, it stop, make it fucking stop, man. It's awful. <laughs> it's just, it's horrendous. Yeah. So, I don't know. I feel like you need a moment though. Like when I think about what could sort of change the dynamic, I feel like you need a Hogan bash at the beach moment, right? Like you need a Cena turning heel. But who would type that be? of? But that's what I'm saying. Like you don't have anybody, right? You could have built off of that for this year. If Cena was going to be at WrestleMania, you could have taken sort of the the foundation of what happened at WrestleMania 36 and built him into that heel and sort of built that storyline. Well, but there really isn't anybody, right? Yeah. Like I'm I'm just talking about generally, right? Like you yeah. could, but it doesn't really make sense because he's not a full time guy. The Roman thing is great because he's a full time guy and you're able to build that sort of long term but i don't know if there is anybody that would be as impactful as hogan was when he turned heel i, I just don't know no. no well nice and that's the problem you can't compare it to hogan because hogan is the biggest name of all time i mean mm -hmm. hogan hogan austin like you the problem i think is that a lot of us because we've been watching for so long and we remember those big memorable moments we we have a tendency to compare everything to those moments right so it's right. next to impossible for anyone to live up to that because hogan had the equity i mean he was a baby face for over a decade right he was the ultimate baby face right who you never thought would really go heel and then he did and it was a big deal at that time yeah there is nobody like that now there is no hogan there is no rock there is no austin there is no cena even. right the closest thing was roman and we already got it 
And unfortunately, yeah. we got it in front of no fans. Now, yeah. if Roman had turned heel in front of a big crowd, that probably would go down as the closest thing maybe to something like that. But we didn't have fans, and so it is what it is. But the problem is Roman was it. I think yeah. Roman was. It's not McIntyre. It's not Lashley. It's not anybody else that I can think of right now on the main roster. Roman would have been that guy. We already got the heel turn. And there is nobody else who can have that big turn because they don't exist. Right. And everybody's already turned a bunch of times anyway. Who do they have right now that would be a big name who's either a heel or a baby face who hasn't already turned? Maybe Kofi? Kofi might nobody's that gonna bill, care. But, but that's the thing. Nobody, nobody's gonna care. Kofi it's the same is thing not, as, yeah. yeah. It's the same thing as Big Show, right? Big Show turns heel and then he turns face and then he turns heel. It's just like who fucking cares? Yeah, who nobody. gives a shit? I do you think, and I guess it's hard to say because it's more like a game theory kind of thing, but do you think maybe that was the original plan for Roman Reigns and Goldberg at WrestleMania 36 was to turn Roman heel? Or do you think he went heel by necessity after, you know, the pandemic's over, they're changing the storyline, they need something big to bring people back, and then boom, he comes back with Paul Heyman. Like, what do you think that that was sort of happened by accident because of the pandemic? Or do you think it was something that was planned the whole time? Obviously, no, not really I, knowing much. Yeah, not planned for WrestleMania. No, I think no. it would have been a straight match. If anything, I think Goldberg would have been the heel going into that match. Yeah, they were booing him pretty good in the stadiums, man. Yeah, when he and, won over. Yeah. And and Roman would have won the championship as, as a babyface. So, no, I don't think it was at all anything that was planned for WrestleMania last year. I think it was, I mean, you can call it a happy accident if you want. I think him just taking time away, I think he probably just felt, look, when I come back, I'm, I've been gone now five, six months. I, I want to come back different. Right. Like I, and it's just me. I think it was him just wanting to do something different. And it was not a case where the company had to go to him and say, hey, we want to turn you heel. Are you okay with that? Which is what Bischoff did with Hogan. Right. Uh, I think in this case, they probably would have been perfectly content to keep Roman as a baby face and keep making merch money. And that's what stopped them from doing it with Cena. Cena has yeah. said there were plans in place for him to go heel and they got cold feet Man. back in like 2012 after WrestleMania 28. So I think this was Roman just wanting to do something different. And he made it very clear that this is what I want. And I want to be with Paul. And yeah, and it just kind of worked out that way. I think without the pandemic, I think it's. I think it's unlikely that yeah. we would have, uh, or at least as soon as we did, that we would have gotten that. Has there ever been a moment when you've watched something recently, or just within the past, I don't know, maybe since 2011, 2012, where you watched it and you were like, that's it, I'm I'm fucking done now? Like, was it the Lana Lashley storyline? Every Monday. <laughs> I every question, Monday, yeah. <laughs> question my, my very existence Yeah. Uh, every Monday night. Yeah, no, it's every week. I mean, that's how Ugh. bad it is now. It's it's pretty much every Monday there is something on that show. Uh, and some weeks are worse than others, but there's always at least one thing on that show that makes me question, why am I watching this show? Yeah. Would people care if I just stopped reviewing Raw? And I get enough messages from people who, who tell me, dude, I care about your mental health. This <laughs> Pretend it doesn't even exist. Don't even watch it anymore. But I get more messages saying, no, you know, I don't watch Raw, but I kind of rely on you to keep me up to date on what's going on. Because here's the problem. Like, we could talk about, oh, SmackDown's the A show and everything. And that's all well and good. At the end of the day, when these pay-per-views come up, right, Raw is still the flagship of this promotion. Right. The WWE Championship is on Raw. You need to be up on what's going on with these main programs and these main storylines. 
I can't do my job with my show if I'm not watching Raw to keep up with what's going on because I don't want to be talking about something that I haven't watched. Like right. one of the things that annoys me is when people, and, and there are people who will be starting out doing podcasts who think that they can kind of fake it. Right. And they, they'll talk about what's going on on Raw or SmackDown, but you can kind of tell like they really, or they admit, oh, I didn't yeah. watch it this week, but man, it sucked. Well, how do you know it sucked if you didn't watch it? Like when I say something sucks, I can, can say that. I can hear it in your I, voice. Because <laughs> I watched it, because right. I suffered through it, because I lived it. <laughs> And I've earned the right, right to come on my show and tell you that it sucked. But I couldn't say that <laughs> if I didn't actually, actually sit, sit down and, yeah. and watch the show. So, uh, you know, so I continue to watch it. But, yeah, no, it, it uh, it's probably as bad as it has ever been. And uh, it doesn't have to be that way, but it is. I don't think there's any one button you could push. What's the one thing you could do to change it? Right. There is no one thing. That's the problem. It, yep. it just needs a whole makeover. And uh, it's not anything I, I see happening anytime soon. Foundation Radio is brought to you by The Dugout. The Dugout provides custom quality apparel at an affordable price. Modern style mixed with classic designs, you'll find retro t-shirts brought into the 21st century. Adam has several of his favorite t-shirts in rotation from the team at The Dugout, including customized Dudley Boys, Prince and the Revolution, and the Notorious B.I.G. t-shirts. Right now, if you purchase your items through their Etsy site and use promo code FOUNDATION, you'll receive 15% off your entire order. That's right, 15% off your entire order. Follow them on Instagram at the dugout brand follow the link on their etsy shop and use your promo code foundation for 15 percent off your entire order the dugout custom quality apparel at an affordable price let's talk a little bit about salamonster sounds off before i hit you with some rapid fire questions to wrap up um what has been the most fun <clears throat> that you've had doing the show what has been the most consequential thing for you as a wrestling fan that you've been able to do with your show well, a bunch of things, actually. I've had the great fortune of being able to interview some really cool people uh, through doing my show. Yeah. So one of the coolest interviews, I mean, I've done a whole bunch of fun ones, really. I mean, I, I remember when I interviewed Bob Holly years ago, and he was just an open book. He was great. Yeah. And got a lot of really good stuff out of him in that interview. And he was someone who worked for that company almost longer than any, almost longer than everybody except The Undertaker, when you really think about it. Yeah. So yeah, you're right. get, you know, insight from him and... Uh, I remember uh, being able to interview Mean Gene Okerlund face to face. We had a sit down interview, so Holy literally, shit, man, Holy sitting, shit. you know, sitting opposite each other on on these stools at one of the the conventions. Uh, Fight TV gave me about ten or twelve minutes with him, and I just, and it was one of those things where I, I you know, didn't even really have time to prepare the way that I wanted to. You just yeah. sort of, you're sort of, you get there, and I had this opportunity to do this this gig for them where they just put a mic in my hand and said walk the floor and just interview as many people as you can. We'll give you a camera guy. Yeah. And so I got to talk to so many cool people. Demolition. Like I grew up, they were my favorite tag wow. team, you know? Yeah. Uh, being able to talk to them and, but being able to sit with, with me and Gene, because again, it's kind of like a lost art. What he did, even the art of just the backstage interview. Now it's just yeah. so different than it used to be. It's so, it's just so I don't know, plain Jane. I don't know. Yeah. I, it's just sterile is, the, is a good word you use for it with sterile. It yeah. Just, it feels, eh. And I yeah. asked him about that too. And and again, he didn't really want to, you know, he wasn't going to beat up on anybody, but he said, it's just, it's, it's very different than it used to be. Yeah. Right. Everyone had their own personality and, 
I remember when he would do interviews, he would try to bring the best out of the people he was interviewing, or if they kind of lost their train of thought, he would get them back on track and he would play off of them. And I miss that because there really isn't anybody anywhere close to uh, that level of announcer like he was. So that yeah. to me, I kind of hold that up there as one of my, maybe my favorite uh, interview yeah. that I ever did. But you know, beyond that, uh, I've been able to meet a lot of really cool people. I've had a lot of meetup events. I did a live podcast in Dallas uh, cool. the morning after WrestleMania back oh, it was probably five years ago now. That's cool, man. And so to meet all these different people at these events, uh, which only grow, you know, every time I would put them together, that to me is is uh, some of the coolest stuff. I just, my mind is blown about me and Gene. I just can't, like, I can't even imagine. I probably would have sit there and hit him with the Troy Barnes, like the, you know, meeting LeVar Burton, yeah. just, holy shit, what do I do? Like, I can't even, yeah. did you just like, was it out of body for a couple seconds before you snap back? Like, oh shit, I got to actually do this or. Yeah, a little <laughs> like, bit. Like, yeah. You don't want to, you don't want to be a total mark. You know? No, like, but still, what if it's mean um, Gene Okerlund? Yeah. I mean, you know. Yeah, no. And I, I made sure I got the question in there about, you know, put that cigarette out. What was going on there? I mean, I I wouldn't have been doing my job if I didn't ask you have, about it's, that. It's it's a it's a it's a priority. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 But um, yeah, and he was great. And yeah. and he paid me some really nice compliments you know, awesome, when, when we were done. And obviously now he's he's not around anymore. So I look back really fondly on that because yeah. it's not something I could ever do again. So, right. Uh, yeah, I hold that up there pretty high. Where do you see the show going from here? How how much higher you uh, how much higher do you think it's going to go? You never know, right? That's <laughs> that's kind of the fun thing. You never yeah. know where, where which way the wind is going to take you. I my goal right now is just to keep building it the way that I've been, yeah, and just keep building that base of of people up who listen to it. Uh, they do a really good job, I think, of spreading the word and telling friends and family because I occasionally I'll get messages saying, Oh, so-and-so recommended they wouldn't shut up. I have to listen to this guy, you know, Solomonster. And now I can't get enough of your show. So I like hearing stuff like that. I don't know. You know, I mean, is it, do you take it to radio one day? Who knows? You know, I mean, to me, it's still just a podcast and, and it'll always be, Uh, I'm always trying to grow my YouTube presence which is kind of like a separate thing that's really grown a lot yeah. in the last couple of years that that's just for me that's just exploded and it's opened up all these other you know opportunities so my only goal is just to keep growing it bigger and better and wherever you know wherever it takes me my uh you know my my options are always open so and actually one of the cool things that all of this is also uh in terms of opening doors is doing commentary right and yeah now, potentially, there could be more of that in the future, too, because I, I really, you know, so far, I mean, the pandemic kind of put a halt on everything. But yeah, uh, I've enjoyed doing that as well. I got a couple of rapid fire questions for you, and then I'll, I'll let you go for today. Your all time favorite wrestling match. Oh, wow. I can only <laughs> pick one. Yeah. Hey, what? Hey, man, the floor is yours. Mm, my all time favorite wrestling match. Well, I'm going to give you I'm going to cheat. I'm going to give you two. OK. Uh 1992 Royal Rumble is for just a lot of different reasons, just an all-time favorite for me. But in terms of one-on-one matches, you know, Shawn Michaels and The Undertaker at WrestleMania 25 yeah, just made me feel a certain way that I haven't felt since. So I best WrestleMania match of all time. Would that also be your favorite WrestleMania? No. What's your favorite WrestleMania? My favorite WrestleMania, you know, 17 really is tough to beat, yeah. top to bottom. Just yeah. there's, there is so much good stuff on that show. 
I have a special place in my heart, I got to tell you, for WrestleMania 8. And I, I, I'm not yeah. telling you that 8 is a, a better show than 17. Right. Uh, but there's just uh, something about that show that I, I still love to this day. This one I'm going to probably get a really good answer for. And I think I already know the answer, but the worst match of all time. And why is it The Fiend and, and Seth Rollins at Hell in a Cell? <laughs> Boy, you know, I, I wasn't even going to say that one. I, I was... <laughs> I thought you were going for like a Charmel, Jenna Maraska in in in, in uh, oh, TNA God. or, or uh, JBL in and uh, was it JBL? I guess in Trish maybe against oh. Jackie Gata and I remember you remember that yeah. match? Oh my God! <laughs> uh, you know what? I might have to say that because that was just such a friggin' embarrassment. But uh, Judy Bagwell on a pole or there's yeah, so the many. Kennel. It's oh, almost unfair God. to even ask that question because there's just so many. <laughs> we could sit here for hours coming up with different options for that. Oh man, I'm just running them all through my head, and I'm just like, oh my God, I can't believe I watched this shit. Um, favorite wrestling angle? The Mega Power Split in yeah. 1989. Yeah, that's a solid answer, man. Yeah. Biggest missed opportunity in professional wrestling. The Invasion, 2001. Yeah. yeah. I think about that a lot. I really do. I think about the the opportunities that could have been there and what could have really gone on with that. And I feel like it just fell flat. It just fell completely yeah, flat. Yeah, millions of dollars just, just pissed away. Current in-ring WWE talent you would most like to see wrestle Kenny Omega. That hasn't done it before. Sasha Banks. Really? <laughs> well, I I just think they could probably come up with a with a pretty in- interesting match. I'm not even really big into the whole uh, you know gender wrestling yeah. thing, but uh, I don't know for some reason her name jumped out at me. I think that would actually end up being a good match. Uh, yeah. I think on the men's side, um, with Omega, you know, I heard him talking about Omega the other day, Daniel Bryan. Yeah, I think Bryan and Omega could do something special. Yeah. Uh, AEW WWE crossover does it happen? No. WCW pre-Russo or ECW? Uh, WCW pre-Russo. NWO or DX? NWO. And then Sting and The Undertaker finally face off. Who wins? Undertaker. Yeah, that's the only answer. Yep. Jason Solomon, thank you so much for joining me today. I really appreciate you having uh, stopping by. Uh, this has been fantastic. I always enjoy getting to talk wrestling and especially someone with someone as esteemed as you. Uh, I listen to your show as often as I can, and I love everything you do. Where can people listen to uh, to Solomon Solom Monster Sounds Off? Uh, well, that's very nice of you. I appreciate that. Uh, they can listen to it. Well, I mean, the main show is on all the major podcast uh, platforms. So if you've got Apple Podcasts, if you've got uh, Google Podcasts, Spotify, uh, iHeartRadio, you can find the show on there. And if you type in Solid Monster Sounds Off on YouTube, you will get a ton of additional content and live streams on the YouTube channel. And on Twitter at Solid Monster, you can follow me on there. Thanks again for stopping by, man. I really appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. Foundation Radio is hosted, recorded, and executive produced by Adam Barnard. The show is also produced by Sam Kreps. Special thanks to Greg Mead, Joe Keen, Jeff Quinn, and Dr. Ruth Almy. Our intro and outro music is produced by Dumb Ugly. Find this episode and our full archive at foundationradio.net. Follow us on Instagram at foundation underscore radio. Be sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and anywhere else you get your favorite podcasts. This has been a Foundation Radio production. Butts Carlton, proprietor. Butts Carlton, proprietor.